Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. We're also on BitChute. We're not on YouTube. I got kicked off that one. And I have four other podcasts, Speaking Podcast, the Learn Polish Podcast, Meditation and the Crypto, as well as being a podcasting coach. So if you'd like to start your journey, because I've got four of them in the top half percent, and you'll find everything on roycon.com. Today, my guest, a friend of mine, we met at, I believe, Mind Valley University. Please welcome Angela Lee. Hello, Roy. It's mm. such a pleasure to be here talking to you today. So I suppose you might first of all introduce yourself to the listeners. Who's Angela? Okay. Yeah, thank you. I'm Angela Lee, and I'm the author of the Bella Santini Chronicles, a book series aimed at ages 8 to 12 that has been praised, highly praised, for teaching children emotional management through the power of a fairy tale, which makes it fun. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And I, and I know just from looking at the thing, it's all five-star ratings that you've got. There's no negative comment. All in Amazon, <laughs> all, you know, both books is like five-star ratings. So congratulations. Yeah, and I also have an endorsement from Jack Canfield, which is quite nice. Nice, excellent. <laughs> So I suppose might as well start off your journey because I presume your journey led you into creating these books. Absolutely. It's quite a story of awakening. <laughs> so starting off as a child, I was born in San Francisco in the mid-1960s and lived in the Haight-Ashbury district. Can you imagine the summer of love happening all around a three or four year old. <laughs> it was um, quite colorful. But my father was emotionally wounded. And his father had saw him as a potentially gay man, and did not approve. And he, he basically tried to beat the sensitivity out of my father. So my father grew up with feelings of inadequacy. He felt like a loser because of the way his father looked at him. But in truth, he was just a very sensitive soul. And so what he ended up doing was drinking alcohol to drown his feelings of failure, to numb himself from that. But what would happen is his behavior brought up judgment from his family, and that just deepened his feelings of failure. So drinking did not help him <laughs> overcome his problems. What happened was that we children were abused by him in um, pretty much every way. And most of my childhood is a blank slate because my subconscious just covered up all that ugliness. But I remember as an adult, I was visiting my Reiki master aunt and she said, Jimmy was so sensitive. He was too sensitive for this world. And at the time, my mind just was like blown because <laughs> I saw my dad as a monster. And when I'm trying to reconcile this monster, this monstrous behavior that I experienced with a sensitive man, it was, it was just so hard for me to come to an understanding. Let's fast forward into my adult life where I was in a long-term marriage to an emotionally abusive man. So I didn't get physically injured, just emotionally. <laughs> what I realized after I left that marriage, well, let me, let me say that I would, I would still be in that marriage if a wildfire had not come and destroyed everything we owned together in 2017. That wildfire was my awakening. It was my wake up call. Because when 
everything in your life is gone except the relationship. And you know that the relationship is injuring the both of you. Why would you stay in that relationship? Previously, before the fire, I stayed because I couldn't bring myself to hurt him. And I knew that leaving him would be very painful. So I ended up staying in a relationship where I was unhappy and he was unhappy. And each of us, our behaviors hurt the other. And so I just, when the fire happened, I said, is this the life I want to live? If my life can change overnight, do I want to keep on this path? And the answer was a resounding no. So I left the marriage and about a month later signed up for Mind Valley. <laughs> and I, I, my first Mind Valley was AFEST in Bali. And that was quite a healing trip for me. Since that time, I've been deep in meditation, doing everything I can to heal the wounds from my childhood, which led to me accepting the behavior in my marriage. And um, out of that came the fairy tales that I write. Because <laughs> like how you started off was talking about your uh, your grandfather as such, how he was had kind of hurt your father, which in turn, because a lot of people don't look at the line because they just, you know, it's just the, the person that's hurting them. They forget to, because I, I look at that with everybody. I mean, anybody that's been in prison or anything, it's like, what was their journey? And, you know, you have to yes. learn the journey because it's like hurt, hurting people hurt, unfortunately. Yes, exactly that. <laughs> And, and it's a generational thing because my grandfather didn't have the tools for managing his own emotions. He then attacked my father out of whatever pain he was having. My father didn't have the tools. He attacked us. And in my generation, this is where it stops because even though I didn't have the tools when I was raising my child, I was not awake at that time. There was within me an understanding that I would not bring that hurt onto my children. And so, you know, they say children of alcoholics either end up choosing alcohol as an escape mechanism, or they just say no. And I'm one of the just say no people, (laughs) which doesn't mean that I don't drink socially. It just means I do not escape my emotions with alcohol. And I've seen that. I mean, I grew up in the area I grew up, there was a lot of uh, alcoholics and I see it a lot of their children. They're either, you know, they're no problem or uh, there's a high percentage of them actually have a drinking problem themselves yeah and when we think about it when we think about suicide substance abuse self-harming what what is happening is that the people are desperately trying to escape feelings they don't want to feel And that is why I believe that it's so important for kids to find out about what's in my books, because the tools that are written into the story that teach children that it's okay to feel, not only is it okay to feel, it's important for you to feel, those tools can free them from the prison of having to choose substance abuse or suicide or self-harming. And I know from just reading some of this stuff, um, I'm not sure, was it on your website or some of the videos, but that there's children very young that are trying to 
commit suicide and I, I had heard that before but it, the fact that my 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 youngest child is eight it kind of brings it home a bit harder and you're going oh yeah, yeah. it's it's horrible the you know in the united states suicide is the second leading cause of death for children as young as 10 years old and the first leading cause is accidents so and the third is actually errors the hospital makes <laughs> yeah, <they're... laughs> yeah but but like for the children it's like what goes on in a child at that age you know to even contemplate something like that and it's it's well, I think children have it especially hard right now. You know, with the way COVID pulled the rug out from under their life, you know, schools closed. Now they're home with parents. The parents don't know how to teach, and, but the parents have to teach. And it took a while for schools to get online and, you know, things to start resembling normal, but not really be normal. But the parents were trying to balance kids and work and being at home and make it all work. And wow, you know? Because I, there's I, a lot of parents that have probably never spent so much time together during this pandemic because they usually, you know, they'd go to their own jobs and then come home and then they'd kind of maybe housework or something. But now they're just constantly in each other's faces. And I've heard the divorce rate has gone through the roof because of this. Yeah. When you think about it, going to work can be an escape from the family. <laughs> and but so when, you know, you had all these little boxes of life, there was work and there was family and there was friends and and, you know, all these boxes that were separate. And with the pandemic, it's all together. <laughs> so it's unity in a way that we never expected. So one of the nice things about my books is that for parents who never learned how to deal with their own emotions, they're going to pick up the understanding as they read the books with their kids. And for kids, it's just giving them permission to be who they are and giving them permission to feel. Like, I think a lot of parents, because I'm, I know my son is, uh, like, I, I just have so much fun with him. I, I'm encouraging him to read. We have a reading competition now. He's at, because I read about 100 books. He, so he's currently, I bought a, a batch of 50 for him. They were like small <laughs> books, but, you know, they, they, they were teaching him because he's his first language is Polish and he could speak English, but I realized he couldn't actually write it, you know, which started worrying me. So I started getting these books, reading them. He was enjoying them. And, you know, there's different uh, wording that, you know, like the, the line roared, he leaped and all this kind of thing. So each each book is actually giving him additional words. And, uh, you know, he's totally nice. enjoying it. So he's, I think he's, so I got the 50, he went through them in two months. Now he's on the next 50, so he's at 70 odd. But <laughs> it's like, you know, I let him, I never push him. I know we play chess and everything. I let him do it, what, what he wants to do. We, you know, we're always kind of connecting in the cooking. I make sure he's very engaged. But one thing I don't do, I don't own him. He's his own soul. But what I see with a lot oh. of people is, they control the child. It's like, you're my property. You do what I tell you. And I make sure that I don't do that. I am. Um, <laughs> I gently include in my books a guide to parents. And it's in the form of a letter from Queen Tatiana, the Queen of the Fairies. And in it, it talks about higher dimensional ways of parenting, conscious parenting, basically. And one of the big things is you don't own your child. <laughs> your child is a soul. You are a soul and you're both on a journey. And really it's important to let your child be who they're meant to be. So when we think about my father, his father did not want him to be whoever he was meant to be and tried very hard to change him 
from being a sensitive person to, you know, a tough man, but that didn't work. <laughs> and so, you know, you, it could be said that my grandfather ruined his son by his pressure to conform. Mm -hmm. And when we think about, you know, modern day parenting, there would, I, I think very few people would try and beat sensitivity out of a, a son, but still, I don't think parents realize that their expectations can put a lot of pressure on their kids. And so um, are you familiar with the poem by Khalil Gibran about parenting, about how your child is an is a arrow and you have the bow and you let the arrow go. The arrow goes where it wants. But the parent is like the guiding force. And so I talk about the mini me effect of, you know, parentings who parent who think that I'm a lawyer, my father was a lawyer, you're going to be a lawyer, I don't care what I don't care if you like art or music, you're going to be a lawyer, it's good for you to have this solid job. Well, maybe that child is the next Michelangelo, <laughs> you know? And, and so what I say is let the child follow the path that is natural for them. And you can give them advice, but leave your expectations at the door because this is their life. And if they make a choice that brings them consequences that are unpleasant, that's part of their growth. That's part of their soul mission on earth. Let them do it. Yeah, Because yeah. I have equal custody and he went on holidays with his mom uh, last week. And so I, it was yesterday, the first time I saw him in a week. And uh, he had this, this huggy wuggy. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So when I saw it, I was like, it's like this blue guy with a real scary moat and i had seen stuff <laughs> reporting on it so i was like i don't like that and i was just kind of going no this is cute and cuddly and everything so i found the video and i played it to him and he goes no i've, I've watched it on something else so he done went away done the research showed me the video see it doesn't even talk and i said you know the fact that the the reporting on it didn't actually show the negativity it was saying oh it's saying all these bad things but it just said it didn't show anything it didn't he, show it and he said, look at this. Look, he's not talking. And he went away in a YouTube and then he checked another thing. And it was like, and then he says to me later, he says, don't worry, don't hate it. It's not alive. It's nothing. I like it. And I thought, he's like a baby Yoda. You know, he's just decided because, you know, we have our own thoughts on different things. And sometimes we hear of something and we assume it's negative. And, yeah. And, and so you, what you were doing, what you just had the parenting instinct. I want to save my son from negativity. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that, right? Because we, we're following our path too. And, but what I'm saying is be conscious of what you're doing and be open to input from your child, which you certainly were in that situation. And even with school or anything, if the teacher is writing, I show him. I go, look, this is what she's saying. And I'm totally open with him. And, you know, he'll explain, no, that's not what happened. This is what happened. You know, and whereas a lot of the time, a parent will just listen to the adult teacher and yes. then start, you know, the child then suffers because you believe the teacher. When in reality, there's been a few situations where the teacher would have wrote something and he said, no, this is exactly what happened. And when I respond, they, they didn't want to meet me, which I always, I prefer meeting people face to face. But when I responded, it was a different story then. Like it was kind of, ah. you know, so could, <laughs> because I know it, like he is so open and honest. He says it as it is, which I love from, you know, I, I tell him, look, even if there's something bad that happened, if you do something bad, tell me, 
you know, and then we'll address it. But don't ever hide something from me. And he does, you know, so this is obviously, I mean, child being a child, sometimes they'll do something and they say, look, I done this. I didn't mean to, but this is what happened. <laughs> I remember when my, so my son is 33 now, but when he was probably your son's age, seven, eight, somewhere in there, I walked outside and he said, mom, look, I'm, I'm pulling the back legs off of crickets. <laughs> and I was, of course, my heart was like, oh! <laughs> and I said, son, what would it feel like if a giant came by and pulled your legs off for fun? How would you feel about that? <laughs> And that clicked in his empathy a little bit. And so he stopped doing that. And, you know, that's one of the ways that, you know, we can bring imagination in to cause our children to think differently about a poor choice they're doing without being like, oh, that's bad. You're wrong. Don't do that. And so many people, they just go boom across the head and the child doesn't even know why. <laughs> yeah. And, and the boom across the head teaches the kid to fear the parent and not much more than that. And be aggressive. They, they feel like that. And if you're yeah, hurt, to be aggressive. aggressive. So like ch children that are being beaten by their children are normally be, are the bully in the schoolroom, in the school. Yard. Absolutely. Like you said at the beginning, hurt people hurt people. Yeah, exactly. And so my books do deal with bullying. There is a bully in there, <laughs> but we get the history of, you know, how his father abused him and how he, you know, he's just, what happens is that the kids who are being abused at home try and find a place where they can control. And bullying is a way that they can control. And so they're just seeking a way to, you know, be on top, basically, yeah. to be okay. And when we respond with love and understanding and tolerance, we give them the opportunity to step into who they really are, you know, creatures of love. But when we respond with fear and intolerance, and I think about Putin when I say this. <laughs> so when we respond that way, we're holding them in that energy of, of being the bully. And so we were basically expanding on that energy. When we switch into love and tolerance, and understanding, then we're contracting that energy of, of you know, bully, evil, whatever you want to call it. And because I've had a lot of uh, guests talking about bullying and everything, and it's strange, but the whole system, the education system, kind of tolerates it. They never, like in reality, when you see that happening, there should be an investigation into, okay, this child is acting out, what's really going on? Yeah, what's underneath that behavior? And they never do. And sometimes they actually let them bully people and let them off. And other times they just put them into a certain room together where they're all together and they make them feel stupid. And that makes it worse again. Not only that, but bullying has expanded into cyberspace. And so, you know, it used to be that there were hours of the day, school time, where you would be potentially bullied and then you could go home and you know have safe time but now kids are exposed to cyberbullying and they're exposed to just all kinds of stuff i i watched a dove video where mothers and daughters were talking about social media and what they're exposed to and dove took typical social media sponsored ads that are showing up on kids' feeds, but put their mothers in as the person talking. So on the screen is this video of mom saying, oh, you know, we should, we should put eyelash extensions on. And another mom saying, 
we got to lose 20 pounds right now and do this, do that. And, and the amount of influencer uh, sponsored ads telling kids that they're not good enough is huge. And people don't think about, you know, they think about potential bullying on social media, but they don't really think about, you know, what is showing up in my kids' feeds when, when they're you, scrolling you through. Need to check. And the strange thing is, like, I'm shadow banned with the Awakening podcast because even doctors I got kicked off YouTube, they're able to track everything. They yeah. want they want this. The same with Twitter and all that. Negativity gets pushed up. It's all about negativity. And anybody that's saying something horrible gets pushed up. If you write something beautiful, nobody sees it. And <laughs> it's like, you know, it's it's well. up, it's up. To, but that, that what I mean is on the Facebook, it's like they'll show it to a few people. Whereas if, if you right. go away and write something horrible, it's all oh, they like that. That gets that goes to the top and that these I things post- go viral. Yeah, I post something about you are magical, you you hold love, and that's the magic inside you, and focus on your magic. <laughs> and I get, you know, four likes in the bottom of the feed, <laughs> but someone posts something about, you know, losing weight or doing this, and it, and it, it's negative, and it's at the, it's higher on the echelon. And I have been working for a year and a half to get my books out to kids because I honestly, truly believe based on my experiences in life that knowing how to deal with emotions is a life skill that will make kids so successful. And I'm fighting to you know become be relevant <laughs> in the book world and it's like mm-hmm. really this book that just is a story sells millions of copies and my books only sell hundreds of copies what's going on <laughs> and is and it think, self-published or are you um with a publisher I have a publisher, Waterside Productions. They don't do promotion. So it, it's really it's been me you, on huh? podcasts. Yeah. And who knows, maybe I'll start my own podcast <laughs> so I... that I can increase my platform. But um, this week, which is really exciting, there is a um, virtual blog tour for my books. And this morning, I went on Iceberry's Treasure Chest, which is one of the blogs that's reviewing my book. And what she said is, emotional management is an art that takes time, practice, and wisdom. Besides exhilarating magical adventures, Angela Lee's fairy tale series, The Bella Santini Chronicles, sheds new light on how youngsters may learn to control their emotions and acquire essential skills to thrive in a complex world. And I was just like, oh my gosh, she gets it. (laughs) Brilliant, excellent. Yeah, so it's, um, I think that, that as I think that 2022 is the year that my books take off because People like you are inviting me onto podcasts and I'm, I'm on this virtual blog tour where individual bloggers are blogging about my books. And so I think it's really gonna start taking off when people understand the true power of, you know, if you are triggered by being in traffic, Well, knowing how to manage your emotions means you're not triggered by that. If you're triggered by people yelling at you, which was what my problem was, (laughs) then once you learn how to manage your emotions, you become almost immune to the trigger points of things that used to trigger you. And so can you imagine giving this gift to your children? that they know how to do that 
Exactly. And like a lot of people, I'm always conscious of that. I mean, I, I'm a very calm driver, but I, like I see some people, they're freaking out and they have children in the car. Children so are, are learning. They they're teaching, you know, they can, some people can think they're being, doing the right thing. I'm doing this, this, this. Yet they're in the car or they're confronting people over the slightest thing. The way I see it is just show love, but also, you know, don't be bullied either. You know, just stand your ground as well. And the child yeah. sees that. Uh, yeah. So part of part of being away from from being treated by a bully as as a victim is for you to understand your role in the the interaction. Because if you are emotionally triggered by what the bully is saying, that's not their responsibility. They're they're just speaking and your trigger points are yours. <laughs> and so understanding that, yeah, I'm responsible for my emotional reaction. Re it raises you out of victimhood. Absolutely. Once you take responsibility, you're raised out of victimhood and it, it can just be responsibility for your reaction. That's all. And, and so, once, once you get that, you become empowered, like you kind of realize because you start even when you react, even if the other person is totally at fault, you're kind, even if you didn't keep keep your cool and, you know, eventually, you know, you kind of re return verbal attack, whatever you just kind of had enough. But then you're because you're conscious of it, you go later, you're going, I should have done this. I shouldn't have reacted. And it just, it's not something that just happens like that. It's a slow journey. But once you do it, it is a journey, you don't go yeah. backwards. You know, once you're actually able to make that transition, you just become better and better at it. Yes, it, it, it is a journey. It's really great if kids can start on the journey <laughs> to um, because when you think about it, you and I and many other parents have a lifetime of having emotional injuries that create trigger points within us. And so with children, they're more of a clean slate. And so if, if they start learning how to deal with their emotions and release their emotional triggers, then by the time they're adults, like they're already 10 miles ahead of where we are spiritually and, and emotionally. I think my son is, he's further ahead than when I was in my early 20s. It's like, I look at him and I go, you know, he's so conscious of everything. And, but then again, because I've, I mean, it, as I say, it's a slow journey, but because that's what he's seen. He's seen me becoming calm. He's seen me being courteous. He's seen me, you know, when I'm doing something, I'm totally present, you know, that I'm not trying to do a few things. I'm not having a conversation with him glued to my phone. You know, these small things, but they all add up, but the child sees everything. And that in turn then allows them to be, you know, better. I think that in a nutshell is the best parenting advice that we can give because no matter what we say, what comes out of our mouth, children watch what we do and how we act. And that is the structure from which they move forward in their life. And so it's not that we have to be perfect. It's that we need to be conscious of our behavior. And by teaching that we are conscious, we're teaching our children to be conscious of their behavior. Just on the book, are you planning on having more volumes coming out? Are you working on more? Ah. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the magical part because once I moved to England, then COVID happened. So I was in a country where I, I didn't really know anybody <laughs> just because after the fire, I decided I was going to live somewhere where fire was not an issue. So I moved to England <laughs> and um, 
during COVID, I had a lot of downtime and I just wrote and wrote and wrote. So I think, well, I know before I moved a year ago, I was in the middle of writing book five. So books one and two are on the market now. Book three is, I, I was promised the illustrations by the end of May. So hopefully they'll come out Thanks. and book three should be released, I think in June and book four, probably by Christmas, I'm hoping. And then book five, I, for the last year, I've been so involved in promoting my books that I haven't really done any of my creative writing. So book five is still halfway done, but I will finish it. Um, book six, the ideas forming. So yeah, it's a series. <laughs> there will be more and more. <laughs> and are you planning or is it already in different languages or just in English? So I've been approached by somebody to translate into Japanese and that that publisher is supposed to connect with my publisher and work out all the details. I have a contact person through a group called CEO Space and he does, he works book translations in 120 languages. So it's definitely possible that different translations will show up. Um, one of the things that has kept me from doing that has just been funding because I've paid out of pocket for publishing, for marketing, for illustrations and editing. And, you know, I probably have $60,000 invested in the books thus far and they need to take off and and sell in order for me to produce more basically so um, that's that that's why i think the self-publishing or a kind of like a hybrid version is better because i'm not sure what your deal is but i know that with a lot that i've discussed and seen some of the publishers they pay pittance, you know, like you're lucky to get a buck or, you know, it's very low, but you're going away doing the marketing. Whereas if you're self-publishing and you get it on Amazon, because then internationally, when you're doing your podcasts, like there's a lot of people listening, will go, oh, this is great. I'm a parent. I can listen to that. And I mean, obviously, there's a lot of podcasts that will be suitable for that as well. Then you're getting, you know, you're getting five bucks or something like that. So the effort comes back, you know, like I, I can understand. I know a lot of them and the loads of authors that I know, they're all complaining like they, they expect you'd expect because they get such a, a high commission that they'll do a lot of marketing for you. But they expect you to go and do the marketing. And like because I know I, I wrote a book, but I, I, I held off them. I was able to print a book for two, two euro. And I if I got more than a thousand, it was working out at one euro. So. You can imagine if you print it yourself and you start shipping it out yourself, you can even make more. If you're selling it for 10 bucks or even 15, but I don't know what, whatever the price, but it, compared to the things, so it's just something to look at because at the end of the day, you've mentioned you've invested a lot of money. 60K is a lot of money for this. So, you know, but I think just listening to it, the fact that I know you as well, I, I love the story. I think it's actually fantastic. And there's more people need to be get involved in this. And it's a great way of connecting with your child as well, just by going through the journey. because. You know, sometimes people, they, they give them the iPad, they give them, let them read whatever books they want. But what are they actually benefiting from it? When, you know, with something like that, there's a story and there's a meaning to it. And I think it's a lot more important. And when you make that <laughs> connection with the child, you actually move up to a level and then you start doing more things together. You, yeah, you, you could be my marketer because <laughs> you're, you're described. So one of the things that I say about my books is that they connect parent and child. As a parent, um, so one of my fond memories was reading Harry Potter to my son when he was young. You know, there were, I don't know, 20 of those books or <laughs> I don't know how many, but it let, started when he was eight and went until he was you know old and far old enough 15 16 
And still, I sat down and read to him because that is a connection that is hard to find in the modern world. Just being able to, one of the things that is wonderful about the stories in my books is it's real life issues, you know, wars and invasions and bullying and child abandonment and adoption, issues that can be the source of great pain are through this story, a parent and child can talk about their own issues with this story kind of as a blanket around them that holds them in a safe space to discuss these things. Like I, I have a friend that basically when she was three to five or she was five, her sister was three, the mother used to go away for days on end and leave them at home. And then when she was 13 moved to a different country, just left her on her own. And then she ended up in juvenile prison and just went through anorexia. And like people don't even realize these things are happening, but there are so much of it. But the thing is, most people, they close their mouths, they, you know, they put their head down when it's not their fault. And there's so many people going through this. So I think like by having these books, even because what I know is like with, with Daniel, my son, like they connect with their friends. So yeah. like once they're conscious and they see something going on, like the more that get involved in this, the more they can help others and they'll spot something and they'll tell the parents because there's too many times people just say, oh, it's not my problem. It's all of our problem. We, if I it see some, not- if I saw my child, his friend was being abused, I would make sure it would be my mission to make sure that it stops. Well, and one of the things I talk about in book two is the victim persecutor rescuer triangle. It's an energetic triangle that's very hard to get out of. And um, in the book, there's an illustration of, you know, perhaps you're in the grocery store and you see a father berating his child and you want to go in and rescue that child. But what you don't understand is that the doing that, actually, the father becomes even angrier because you're stopping his behavior, you're judging his behavior. The child may be fine in that moment, but when they get home, that father's gonna double down on the child and you're not gonna be there to stop it. And so even though we believe that we, you know, it's hard for us to watch that or see that. And what I suggest is that we just send love to the father and the child and we're, we're uplifting the child with our love and the father, we're giving him the opportunity to choose love in that instance. And it's hard for us to wrap our human understanding around just choosing to send love in that situation, you know, because there's this instinct, we want to go save the child. But during my marriage, whenever I intervened on behalf of my children, it got worse. And so, you know, I learned the hard way that that's not, it's not really helping. It's just adding to the energy. Hard lesson <laughs> for everyone. Yeah, no, no. And I mean, I've often seen that in a supermarket or something. I don't interfere. And yeah, it's because I'm aware of that. I'm aware that, yeah, they might because they're, they, because I think they just switch off from being conscious of what they're doing to become. But then when they go home, they the shame then that they've experienced yes. with, with somebody intervening. Yeah, they, yeah, as you say, double down, triple down. Yeah. The poor child. And that doesn't mean that that we can't do good in the world. It doesn't mean that we can't do everything we can to make the world a better place. You know, my mission is to make the world 
a loving place for everyone, but especially children. And so there's going to eventually be a tipping point where enough people choose love that that kind of thing starts going away. But we have to get to that point first. And, and in the meantime, you know, we see bullies doing their thing and we see, you know, Putin invading another country and, and we think he's bad. We shouldn't, he shouldn't be doing that. And it, and that's fact, right? It's true that he's a, he's behaving like a bully, but when we hold him in judgment, when we see him as a bad guy, we're adding energy to that side of the equation. <laughs> when we send love, then we're lessening that energy and adding love. And so not pointing our finger and blame at someone, at, but instead choosing to see them in their wholeness and as someone made of love who is in denial of who they are that and just 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 on you know putin because i've covered a lot of different uh, things on that and like a lot of people because of the way the media portrays it you know this hero zelensky and you know part of the world economic forum you know, there's there's a lot there that people don't see, and it's not it's not as clear cut as it is. It's like, you know, somebody's doing something, and then somebody stands up to them, and then the whole world. Like, have you ever seen a war where you have the UK leader Boris Johnson going there for a photo shoot? You two going to concert? It's all a pony show, you know. So we're not hearing the true story, and we just have to be conscious of that as well, because like that's a bigger screen that's happening all around the world, and you know I'm trying to get it from both sides, and I'm hearing, you know, just by having people from Russia with Ukrainian wife talking about it, and uh, somebody on the border, and it's a different, it's totally different to what the media is portraying, and I just know myself just from information that I'm getting as well, you know, just well, not- yeah, you're in you're in Poland and a lot of people from the Ukraine have gone to Poland for safe harbor. And so you more than us in America have the ability to hear some truth, which is, you know, eyewitness views of Ukrainian people who have escaped. And there's also truth on the Russian side. And that's, one of the hard lessons <laughs> that we learn is that, you know, there's different perspectives that people look at, look through, and it's their truth. But is it the truth, really? Exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. So- and, and I mean, we both have friends from both Ukraine and from Russia. We love them all. And nobody wants this. People. But at the same time, people are seeing the you know the it's a game of chess unfortunately and most people don't know what's going on and the the truth is there is definitely people being affected there's a lot of terrible things going on but it's going on from both sides and all we have to do is as you said earlier it's all about love you know share the love not the hate don't be buying the guns you know find out how you can help people you know like for for example the guy that i had on he was talking about the books for the children he said yeah there's people buying them you know the, the english books but they can't read english and they can actually go online and get a Ukrainian book and get it delivered to help the children. Simple things like that, you know, but people don't think, but just, you know, they're conscious of uh, making sure that the children are happy. And when you see that, you know, it's it's nice. It's not in a boat. You're like this guy even said that if it was the other way around, he'd be on the, the Russian border help, helping them. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of people don't think that they're just, oh, Putin bad, uh, Russia bad. And the reality is, it's a case of the both sides are being affected by this and Absolutely. you know you know so to help the people that are seriously being affected and and just try to you know that we do a serious analysis of the corruption that is going on but i think what you said earlier spread the love and one child at a time because i know that your books will it's a ripple effect you know you get a few out there so 
I think what you're doing, getting on the podcast is a great way. I, I believe it's the best way for an author to actually get their message out and I agree. Ju- just keep doing it. And, you know, perhaps look at, you know, your own, uh, you know, doing kind of a hybrid option or something like that. I don't know what way the contract is, but have a look at it because I don't like when the authors are actually, you know, being affected or even I, I'm seeing with the NFTs as well, that there's um, people are, they're actually doing music they're obviously the art, but there's also mm-hmm. authors that I've heard so that they're selling it, as, you know, in a, a certain like one of fifty thousand or whatever it is that they're actually buying a part of the book. So it's maybe something to look at as well. And at the end of the I day, it's, it's more exposure. Yeah, and and someone talked to me or mentioned to me that I should do my books as NFTs, and and I just like had no understanding of I'd be a, how a, that happens off call I, because i we, we have a company where we're doing it we're doing it for digital art but you yeah. know i'd be able to explain to you uh, on that wonderful I, I think yeah we'll one. have an offline conversation yeah. about that so i suppose listen yeah i i love what you're doing so you might let people know how can they get in contact with you well my website https colon slash slash Angela A-N-G-E-L-A Lee L-E-G-H dot com is is a good way to find you know not only links to buy my books but there are resources for parents Um, if you think your child is suicidal there's a little booklet you can download that walks you through how you can support your child there's a toolbox for emotional management that can be downloaded. There's another uh, soothing anxiety in children is another little booklet that can be downloaded for free. Um, So there's a lot of resources and um, access to my books. And if a parent wants mentoring, they can access that on my website, a lot of resources. Excellent. Perfect. Okay. Thank you very much, Angela. Thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I, I love I what do you're too. doing. Thank you so much. <laughs> so that's all for the Awakening Podcast. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org or on BitChute as well. You find the links in the podcast description. Be sure to subscribe, give us a thumbs up, five star rating, it all helps. And make sure you buy Angela's book. Until next week, take care.